0: hello and welcome to episode 52 of the mtg conflux cast my name is john and i'm joined today by my co-host chris hello so we're back for another week of a two-man mtg conflux but we've got a lot to talk and complain about this week mostly complain (laughs) mostly complain but you'll like it we promise if not you can complain us. One of us. One of us. Anyways, uh, we'll kick things off of our bi-weekly roundup, where we talk about what we've been up to for the last two weeks. Uh, Chris, let's start with
1: you. Well, so, locally, a bunch of shops got together, and they've been putting on this kind of like tournament series. Uh, I don't recall if we brought it up in the last episode or not. But in case we didn't, they're calling it like the NorCal circuit, hashtag EJ open. Um, <laughs> and so... Like, a different shop in the Norcalish area is um, holding an event, and it's modern.
0: It's like almost every weekend,
1: right? Yeah, nearly every weekend. Some are, like, kind of in the Bay-ish, Fairfield, and then some in, like, Sacramento. Who needs PPTQs after all? Right? (laughs) Screw those. So, I played two of those since we've last uh, talked. I played Ambulant. Actually, no, I didn't actually play Amulet at one of these events. Well, not not recently, anyway. I played an Amulet at an FNM, and I went 2-2. I got wrecked by Blood Moon on turn three, two games in a row. And it just felt really bad. And I was thinking about how, even online, like, Red Phoenix was getting really popular. And I just felt maybe Amulet just wasn't a good meta decision to play at an event you're paying real money to be at. So I decided to... Um, go ahead and put together Mono Redbirds, which is the Mono Red Phoenix deck itself. The thing I feared the most.
0: Yeah, we were on the same wake length that weekend, huh?
1: Yeah, so I was waiting for my cards to arrive in the mail. And John was thinking about playing the Red Phoenix deck too. The problem is that John doesn't own Arclight Phoenixes. <laughs> but I do! And my problem was my light up the stages in Screw the Critics and Melem Revelers and Card Mages hadn't actually arrived yet. So John had most of those cards. So between the two of us, we could field one copy of this deck. <laughs> and I was thinking... Because John asked, like, oh, maybe he wanted to play it. And I was thinking, like, oh, maybe I should just let... I'll just play Amulet instead, and play John, play Phoenix. Fine, it's it's fine, or whatever. And I was thinking like, but I, do I really want to go spend money just to play Amulet and get absolutely ranched by all the Phoenix decks? Like, not really. <laughs> and I hadn't really been playing much else recently, so I was like, you know what, John i I think I'm gonna play <laughs> the Phoenix deck.
0: Yeah, that's fair.
1: I wasn't expecting you to be on it
0: either, which was the funny thing. You know, I was like, oh. You know, Chris might play blue red, but he's probably not using his phoenixes. And and then you said you were playing mono red, and I was like, wait, what? Spider Man pointing at Spider Man, but that's what I wanted to play.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think a lot of people didn't expect me to be on mono red phoenix of all things, especially since I'm kind of known as like the amulet guy. But mono red phoenix is like so far off from from what I've normally been seen to play. Like other than amulet, I've been known to play like the swan deck or the dragons decks or you know it's like usually like some other blue controlly type of deck and Modern Red phoenix is definitely not a off really the beach I have to say deck yeah um and when i went to that event i looked around the room and it, the the room was insanely bad for amulet yeah wasn't so good so i was among one of like i don't know at least four people playing mono red phoenix and there was a couple of blue red here and there, and there was a whole bunch of ad nauseum, and there were three people on the Swan deck. So, <laughs> and I round two, I played against. In fact, so it's just like the entire room was just nightmare matchups for for amulet. They're onto you. So I was like, oh, good thing I didn't play amulet. And then I proceeded to get dumpstered by everyone anyway, which felt pretty bad. <laughs> As it turns out, you know how how ad nauseum is basically, um, you know, burns basically a buy for ad nauseum. As it turns out, Modern Red Phoenix is basically the same. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not too surprising. Yeah, so he just had, like, an unlife life games 2 and 3 on turn 3. And since I'm on a Red, I can't do anything about that. And I'm very sad. And I lost. And then I lost to Infect Round 2, which was unbelievably tilting because I'm, like, the 4-Gutshot <laughs> deck, 4-Lightning Bolt deck. And I just got, like, turn 3 with double permission up. Didn't he, like, give you the, the unintentional BM, too? Like... Oh yeah, after the match, he's like, don't you play lightning bolts to your deck? <laughs> I was like, what?! He's like, oh, I'm not trying to be rude, but... I'm just wondering, because I didn't see him. He's like, yeah, what a coincidence, I didn't see them either. <laughs> it's like some Curtis-level BM, man. So, the first, like, three or four rounds of that tournament, every single game that I won, I won on turn three. But I was losing matches. Which is like, I don't get it, dude. Me confuse. Like, against Ad Nauseam on game one, I I killed him on turn three. And even if he had been on the play and played an unlife on turn three, he still would have lost on my turn three. That's how insane the draw was. Like, and then I just got dumpstered all the other the other games, and it felt bad. Uh, although I did get to play against Swans twice that day. Yeah, which were uh, among my only wins. <laughs>
0: Yeah, our match
1: was sad times for me. I went
0: in with, like, the impression that I had no chance in hell of winning, and then it ended up being pretty close, and I was like, man, if I'd come into this expecting to win, I probably would have (laughs) won.
1: Yeah, maybe you would have won if you'd only played better. Awkward. Real awkward. (laughs) Yeah, was a little bit defeatist going in. I think my draws were slightly anemic. Oh, yeah, they were
0: bad. They seemed really bad.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah, that that was another thing. Uh, I had multiple instances of, like single-digit percentage chance to just get boned like multiple rounds in a row so i think in the same match i played the monored phoenix mirror and there was one game where i drew four consecutive lands when i already had three lands in my like hand in first turn or whatever so i drew seven lands in like five non-lands in my like 18 land deck excellent so the odds of like four consecutive lands was like. Below ten percent. For sure. And then the other game of the match that I lost. I couldn't draw a land. I couldn't draw a second land in the first like top like eight cards of my deck. <laughs> we ran the numbers on that one and it was really low. Yeah, it was really bad. <laughs> God, so that was like a pretty bad beat for the the, the deck for me. Like the first game I played, I went on turn three, I was like, man, this deck is this deck is the the shiznit. Like, this is the hot <laughs> fire. And then it just would all downhill from there. And I don't know. Like, it kind of put me off from the deck, which is kind of shitty because, like, I literally only played it that one time. Just crush some people at FM with it. Easy. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Like, because the FNM meta, I feel, is just not ready for that level of aggression. Because everyone at Great Escape is playing, like, these kind of dirtily piles, usually. Oh, man. It's going to stomp. And so turn one like Soul Scar into turn to obliterate you. <laughs> Better bring my
0: four dragon claws next Friday. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wait,
1: you're borrowing them. <laughs> Give me this back. <laughs> so I, when I was playing the deck, I was thinking like maybe this deck needs a splash color because God, this deck gets shit on by a lot of enchantments. Playline of Sanctity, real good. On life, real good. Even garbage like Ghostly Prison would be really annoying. Yeah, I don't know. I can see that? So maybe like, but then like part of the allure is playing this, you know, no fetch, no shock mana base. I don't know. They're not even playing Ramanap Ruins, right? No, because that needs like, has to, you have to have five lands in play to actually activate Ramen Up Ruins, which is like, if you're yeah. doing that, you've already you've you've lost, basically. yeah so uh speaking of amulet since it's the only deck i own online i was just jamming that one saturday and i finally got a featured 5-0 hooray um not my first trophy ever but my first featured one ever congratulations and uh i didn't I I, th- I was thinking, like, oh, I wonder if I feature it. And I went to work next uh, Monday, and I was looking on Reddit, and I was like, oh, five O list. Scroll, scroll, scroll. See my username? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Go me,
0: go you. I just need to get some five 0s myself now.
1: <laughs> See,
0: you're just playing the wrong the wrong leagues, though. Yeah, can't get posted in those uh, those friendlies. Yeah, it's hard playing like the complex because Kevin just wants to grind moto all the time. It's like basically like his moto sugar daddy right now. So it's like, no, you're playing fucking friendlies. Like that shit's
1: cheap. <laughs> it's like, so easy to break even on friendlies. So yeah, I don't think Kevin could be like much happier that he just has the swan deck available to him online. suddenly, yeah, it's been nonstop
0: just all hours of the night and day he's just like down to play with other people too like he hits everyone up he has like he has like a flow chart of like who to hit up it seems like like hit up this person oh they're busy well next on the list is this person oh they're busy next on the list
1: swan time guys swans
0: (laughs) yeah just yeah he's unstoppable he's played like god like 20 something leagues in the last like couple weeks it's a lot of swans (laughs) yeah he has more leagues than i do and he's been just grinding in the in like the just for fun or the tournament practice room like yeah just because just because just i don't know why yeah just like grinding like crazy he said like people in the like free rooms like he says he feels like they know know him now because like people are like playing (laughs) around stuff people (laughs) like people are playing around shit that like a random wouldn't play around (laughs) It's, it's like wow you're like warping the just for fun room. What's wrong with you?
1: <laughs> I mean, if I went in the just for fun room personally and my opponent went like snow covered island into like stubborn all your torn amulet, I would, I would concede the match. <laughs> I've seen enough. <laughs> I'm not having fun anymore.
0: <laughs> uh, so what have you played aside from uh, birds and
1: amulet? Um so I was saying that Mono Red Birds would be insane at FNM. So since I went down to like barely enough money to enter an FM in short credit, I decided to not play Mono Red Phoenix and instead <laughs> play um the Bug Teachings deck. And I literally have never played a match of the deck before out of the FNM. <laughs> and it's kind of like a toolboxy deck, so I mean what's the worst that could happen, right? <laughs> and I have to tell you the deck is really fun it's a lot of fun fun to watch too i guess i guess yeah it might be fun to watch because it's like every time i play teachings everyone in the crowd's like what's he gonna get what's he looking for and you're asking yourself
0: well why was there a crowd watching
1: <laughs> oh well because i'm playing the the teachings deck which means i win very slowly <laughs> if i'm winning yeah So I'm really unhappy because I drew unintentionally around against humans that I wasn't going to lose that game in a million years, but I'm not smart enough to remember that we were in game three, not two. Good job. So I was in my head, I was like, oh, I'm already up a game. It's game two. I don't even have to win this game. I just have to sit here and make him really sad that he can never win. And I'll just win the match. It'll be great. As it turns out, um, I had forgotten that I got uh, bamboozled by um, doing incorrect math because of his Thalia in play and losing a game. So I, now that Terrence had been announced, had to go from 100% turtle to, ah, oh, shit, we have to kill him. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, considering the only creature in my deck is Snapcaster Mage, and he was at 20 live, I don't think I had enough turns to deal lethal damage. (laughs) Even if I took all five of the turns. (laughs) Because I didn't even have a tar pit in play. It was bad. I had to go through this convoluted, like, okay, well, I have to, like, blue sun myself and hope I draw a wilderness reclamation, like, a second wilderness reclamation so that I could, like, somehow refine my blue sun again to deck him out. And he had, like, 30-something cards in his deck. So I needed, like, a lot of things to come together, and they didn't. You did take four of the five extra turns, though. That I did. Because <laughs> the problem was that I was at, like, five. So if, if I tried to do it over the course of two turns, like, oh, Blue Sun, you for 15, untap, you take your turn, I, my turn, Blue Sun, you for 15, I would probably die, because the odds of my opponent drawing, like, I don't know, some number of Mantis Riders in 15 cards seemed really high. So I kind of like was forced into going to the kind of uh, lower percentage to get there, but I don't know. I, I I felt like my odds to win were not good if I had him draw fifteen cards in the past turn. <laughs> yeah, I'd say they were quite poor. <laughs> yeah, but um, sort about you, John. What have you been playing the last couple of weeks?
0: Well, since at the EJ Open, I was not able to tap into that mono red uh, birds action. Since uh, Chris had that already locked down, I played Swans, which I've been playing a lot of lately, and uh, I had some misfortunes. (laughs) Uh, I started out the tournament against an opponent who shuffled up and kept a blind seven, just put seven cards face down on the table, and said, I keep. (laughs) Wow. I'm just here to have fun. They were playing blue-white control they did not have fun (laughs) (laughs) they were thoroughly crushed in two games um and then i promptly moved on to my round two opponent who was playing
1: drudge and destroyed me i mean you say you say you say promptly but like your match still took like 40 minutes (laughs) yeah (laughs) he put up a pretty good fight for you know having no
0: chance in hell of winning I mean, he was there for a long time, not a good time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I, uh, I moved on to round two, and I played against Dredge. And game one, my opponent was on the play, and I went on, let's see, turn two, I countered something. I like, remanded a spell or something. Untapped on my turn three, angered wiped their board and then they untapped on their turn 4 and killed me. Nice. Yeah. So through through a turn 2 counter and a turn 3 board wipe
1: uh they had me on 4. So that was pretty bullshit. <laughs> something something creeping chill, something blood gas taste, conflaggy for a million. I'm guessing. Yeah, fucking bullshit. That is exactly what happened. Yeah, I think they I
0: think he flipped is it, is it a three or all four of his creeping chills? He had like the most insane first dredge. It was crazy. Uh, so yeah, that was sad times. And then I think I lost game two. Um, and then I proceeded to lose, uh, I think it was to ad nauseum. And it was an Ad Nauseam player that Kevin had beaten the round before. So I actually watched their their match because I, I think that was the one I got crushed by Dredge super quickly. So I got to watch Kevin play against Ad Nauseam. And his opponent had like combo with packed packed thought and lost. Yeah. <laughs> he like thought seizes Kevin's hand, and Kevin has like snap. Counterflux denial, denial, or something like that. I don't even remember. So they like have to take
1: the he just like lets thoughts sees resolve. He's like, whatever, yeah,
0: like whatever. Here, they like have to take the counterflux. <laughs>
1: this is bad. And then, so yeah, so you had to take counterflux and then he goes for the ad nauseum, and then Kevin goes snap custom mage, which has to get packed because otherwise, he just flashes back counter flux yeah He's like okay that one resolves and he's like oh like another counter spell for your ad nauseum which gets backed again and he just has another counter for that fact yeah it's easy easy peasy so
0: his opponent was like primed for the matchup he's like oh this like echoing truth seems like pretty decent against swan so i think he was like unsure about it in their matchup and then in mine he was like much more confident about it and i had like a super clunky game one where i had to like go double swan with like no interaction (laughs) i said like lands and swans and uh he killed me i think like the turn before i was gonna kill him and uh the next game i had something else weird going on oh i drew a bunch of cryptic commands that game And it was super clunky. I had no cheap interaction and I couldn't get Swan going. And so I was just like end of turn, like bouncing his like mana rocks (laughs) and drawing a card, just trying to like, you know, dig into some more action. And I eventually stick Swan with like two or three mana up. Yeah, I think it was three mana up. I think it was like Vents land land. And he, at the end of my turn, Echoing Troops, the Swan, and my only counter in hand is a Stubborn Denial. Or no, I had no counter in hand, that's right. So I scred in response, and I draw two Stubborn Denials. That's like my interaction. So I have to Stubborn Denial the Echoing Truth to keep my other Stubborn Denial alive. So it goes into his turn where I have a mana up. <laughs> and a swan. And then he just does the thing. I think he had like thought in the combo or something. And one Stubborn Denial was not enough to get there. So... That was a bummer and then i lost uh you on mono <laughs> red i lost to some other deck i think and then at the last run of the event i just like whomped on some poor like mono green stompy player and it was like i was just kind of like throwing cardboard at the guy like playing really sloppy because there was no chance in hell that i lose and i was like waiting for you guys to finish up so it's like well i don't want to like sit here and not play magic so i'll just like so throw just card-
1: kind of play magic i'll
0: kind of play magic at this guy's general direction until he falls over dead <laughs> i felt kind of bad i was like eh. <laughs> i'm gonna draw some cards i'm gonna kill your guys but i'm not gonna kill you I'm just kind of like hit you with the swan until you die <laughs> yeah that was that was my ej open it was not so hot then I ran it back again at F and M this week. I went three and one. I lost two uh blue black fairies. I felt like I had no clue how to sideboard. Sideboarding in Swans, is, like really difficult, it seems like to me. I don't know. There's so many like one us in on the board and all the upgrades are like really marginal, it feels like, after a certain point, like eh it's like do you like not want a mana leaker do you not want a remand it's like what you're cutting it's like you know the sideboard cards are usually better but it's like what in the main deck is worse to have in the main deck is like really hard to say sometimes it's like well do i like shave a lightning bolt but then i kind of like want lightning bolts in case he resolves a jace and then it's like well how good is like remand in the matchup? i don't know it's like <laughs> Everything feels so marginal, and I just don't have the like wealth of experience that Kevin does with the deck, because every time I ask Kevin, he just fucking knows. He's like, oh, you should do this, this, and this, and it's like, okay, your reasoning makes sense. I like definitely agree with that and would have come to that conclusion if I'd had a lot more time to think about it, but thank you for just saving me all that effort.
1: Unfortunately, it's after the fact. <laughs> He's like, oh, like, it seems pretty clear that you didn't know how to sideboard because this card was still in your deck. It's like, what? I was like, what? What do you mean? And then I kind of sat
0: and thought about it and I was like, you're right, I didn't know how to sideboard. You're correct. This shouldn't be in my deck. <laughs> but like sitting there, you know, between rounds or between games, like thinking about it, it's just like, whew, it's a lot harder to like extract that like nugget of information. Whereas after the fact, when he points it out, it just seems way more obvious. I don't know. So that's a bit of a bummer. Uh, but Swanta sweet 3-1 sweet. I uh, felt really bad losing to a blue deck, but hey, we'll get it next time. <laughs> I think that kind of wraps up our our roundup of what we've been up to the last two weeks. Basically the same old, same old,
1: for me at least. And then you tried out a spicy new pile and got paddled. Well, okay, so <laughs> <laughs> I definitely got paddled on Phoenix. That, that felt really bad. Um, I wouldn't say I got paddled on Sultai. I should have ended up 3-1, but I forgot I needed to win the game instead of not lose the game. Shame on me. Um, <laughs> It was kind of entertaining because in the final round, I was playing against our uh, friend. On I guess he was on. It felt kind of like Green Black Rock, just splashing lingering souls. I missed this one. Uh, so he's one and two, and he's dead for prize. But I'm one one one. <laughs> so if I win, I get to free roll for uh for next week. If I lose, I get nothing. So, Alex, being uh, a friend of ours, decided that uh, he was going to make me earn it. <laughs> <laughs> good guy, good guy. I like it. And uh, earn it, earn it, and I did. So, game one, I got to do the thing. Uh, you know, next is a fate, basically down to no cards left in my deck and just kill him with whatever creature I had laying around. <laughs> um, and then <laughs> the next game was very weird because he like gets pretty low on his like lands and he, but he like strips me down to like both no cards in hand, but he has like no board because I have his like fail pushing his goifs and shit. So it's like, I have a tar pit versus, and no cards versus his like no board plus, you know, like maybe two cards in hand or something. And I eventually get him down kind of low, but he drops like a Kalitas. So I'm like, Oh, lifelink! <laughs> Suddenly, Tarpet can't race a, a three-fired lifelinker anymore. So I'm like, okay, okay. Here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna like play this Snapcaster Mage, but I like, was a mana off from Cryptic tapping his team and animating the Tarpet. So I was like one point shy of killing him. I was like, oh man! But if I pass, he gets to crack in with his Kalitas, and I'm gaining life. Uh. And so I I just like pass back. So like, okay, okay, here's the plan. The plan is he goes to attacks, I tap down his creatures, and he doesn't have a blocker. And so then I just untap animate both. So I I'll play like a naked snap and then animate it. And then I'll have three attackers, and only two have to get through. So I could play around a removal spell. So I can beat one removal spell. Because I'm pretty sure he had a removal spell like for a few turns now. Mm-hmm. And he goes like he like thought seizes me i'm like well he also had ley line of the void in place so I'm like well i guess i'm just naked snap uh cryptic command tap your guys i don't know balance your ley line because <laughs> like what am i going to do draw a card with his thought sees when i have no cards in hand like seems bad <laughs> so his thought sees like resolves and then we look at life pad and it's like wait a minute aren't you at two? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, oh yeah. <laughs> Awkward. So what a guy. Turns out he gave me the win anyway. <laughs> That's amazing. So
0: yeah, the soul tie free roll. Soul tie free roll. Is that what we're calling it now? Oh man. that deck is pretty sweet. So I, I wouldn't say I got, or I got rolled.
1: You just but, uh, got free
0: rolled? <laughs> Oh, uh, I was more playing. I, I
1: think a lot of people were rolling their eyes, waiting for me to finish the match with you. Yeah, that's true.
0: Yeah, that's fucking true. That was a everyone's like, "What is he doing?" Like, no one can see what you were playing towards. But then I was like, "Oh yeah, yeah, he's got blue sun." And then I think you cast, it and everyone was like, "Oh," their minds just like. Then everyone's like, oh, can he do it? Can he do it? No. No. No, he no, can't. He can't do it. <laughs> but there was like, the, I think like the first turn or two you took, everyone was like, what the hell is he doing? Like, just fucking, like, finish the game.
1: Yeah, you're just like, well, like, this guy's fucking wasting time. What are you yeah, doing Yeah, you have no here?
0: outs. Like, just fucking scoop or whatever. And then <laughs> I think it was like the third turn or something you like cast the blue sun and people were like oh oh, oh he's in danger
1: <laughs> yeah i was actually really bad at drawing my other wilderness reclamations when i had like 20 cards left in my deck right on the bottom with you Ugh. some other people played some
0: some spicy some spicy decks at uh, at tournaments recently and with that we'll slide right into gp toronto where um I think it was
1: Tesserator took well, second place. So that's that's what they're calling it on uh online stuff. Uh it's really just like the Grixis were deck.
0: Yeah, with two Tesserets on the sideboard. Uh, three Tesserets. Two varietals. <laughs>
1: yeah, two different kind Tesseret. Uh this deck. What 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 is there to say about this deck? A lot. <laughs> <laughs> I think I was saying to John earlier in the week, like this, the average converted mana cost of this deck <laughs> is very low. Yeah, it's that's an understatement. There's just a pile of zeros here. Especially if you count like Chalice of the Void as a zero CMC card. Yeah, Which it is, technically. <laughs> you get, what, four Chalice,
0: three EEs, four Bobbles, four Opals, a torment script and four welding jars at zero. Yeah, <laughs> the one Tormod script just cracks me up. That's uh, that's deep. I mean, you can whir for it. Yeah, man. You can whir for your witchbane orb or your bottled cloister. <laughs> uh,
1: I think it's really funny that uh, Graftgiver's cage doesn't interact with whir, as long as it's not an artifact creature. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. I think, like, making Cage be the card they wanted it to be would have taken a lot more words on the on the physical piece of cardboard than they were willing to have. So yeah, some stuff slips through the cracks on that
1: one. They'd have to say, like, what? Non-creature permanence can't enter blah 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 blah, right? Something. Or non-land permanence. sorry. Yeah. Otherwise, like, can you imagine if, if this hit, like, all permanents? It would have to be, like, non-land permanents can't enter the battlefield
0: from anywhere other than being cast from their owner's hands or something like that. I don't even No,
1: you you just like take the same clause as it already has and just replace it with instead of creature cards, just say like permanents can't enter the like non-creature non-land permanents can't enter the battlefield from graveyards or libraries. Yeah. Players can't cast. And then the other one's the same. Players can't cast spells in uh in graveyards or libraries. Yeah. Yeah. That works.
0: But then there's like the fact that you can like cast an eternal scourge from exile
1: <laughs> right like uh, but I mean like the cage is around a coffin right I mean the the spaghetti monsters coming out of the void right I guess it's like, fine right? Uh, flavor win but maybe not what they had in mind when
0: they were designing the card I don't know oh I don't know like Miss Tolo Griffin was in the same block that's true actually
1: so maybe it was intentional ish <laughs> that's just good design <laughs> they don't make cards like that anymore no
0: i mean they do but not very often (laughs) so this uh this little pile of spice is the uh the heir to the throne i guess for ancient stirrings for now
1: i think a lot of people say it's like lantern without the lanterns that's a plus i feel like it's not it's 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 the same in that it's like a prison deck but other than that i don't see it's necessarily particularly similar.
0: Maybe they just mean it makes their opponent sad in the same type of way that Lantern did. Sure. <laughs> it's a, an emotional analog.
1: <laughs> but this deck is probably much harder to um, disrupt Lantern just because of four Welding Jars. <laughs>
0: yeah, Welding jar is uh, a beating in this deck and Hardened Scales. Just makes it a lot harder to interact with the cards you really care about interacting with.
1: And oftentimes, you only need one or two of these hate artifacts to really kind of lock down the game. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of decks just can't beat Instantiating Bridge plus Bottled Cloister. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or maybe they can't beat like Instantiating Bridge plus Witchbane Orb.
0: Ugh. Yeah. So Tezzeret is pretty sweet. I think we'll be seeing more of this deck. I guess it's not even Tezzeret, but Grixis War or Sultai, you've got Ancient Stirrings here, so...
1: Yeah, to be honest, I don't really know what a uh, standard deck decklist looks like, but um, Stirrings is a good card. Yeah. Seems good when it hits literally every card in your deck other than more Stirrings and Word of Invention.
0: (laughs) And then uh, in first place, um, while it's not as uh, much of a standout in terms of sweetness, uh, we've got Grixis Shadow. Um, piloted by Michael Rapp, I think is is their name. And so what I think is interesting is, you know, everyone's been talking about how it's like Burn is everywhere. Burn and Mono Red Phoenix are, you know, taking over the format. At least on Moto, it feels like that. And, you know, skewer the critics, just as far as the eye can see. And we've seen at the same time a real resurgence with these Death Shadow decks. Um, There's, as we kind of go through the the results from Toronto and a lot of the recent moto challenges uh, in the next few minutes here, there is a reoccurring theme that there are shadow decks placing highly and then there's a a mix of different shadow decks placing highly not just Grixis, although Grixis I think is the best performing uh, variety, but we see uh, Grixis, um, blue list shadow, and um, the suicide zoo shadow list all have done well in the last week or two um so i think it's really interesting um michael's list right here was taken by uh, i believe it's pascal maynard and he went undefeated in a moto challenge up until the top eight i want to say i think he went undefeated in the swiss i don't know how he did in the uh, in the the cut to the elimination bracket but uh he's playing he tweaked one fetch for another fetch and then swapped uh one card in the sideboard for another card so they're basically the same list. Um, it's interesting to see Shadow doing well again. I think it's been kind of poking here and there. It did well at um, GP Portland, and has it had any other performances since then? Other than
1: winning Toronto? <laughs>
0: well, yes, obviously. In in between those two events, I'm trying to remember. But uh, I guess what I'm getting at is it's, it's interesting that Shadow has been really picking up steam again, it seems like, um, and the lists have some interesting spicy cards in them. This list in particular playing a one of shattering blow, a card that I doubt many of you are familiar with unless you have seen the specific list. It is a uh, an instant for one and a Boros mana, uh, and it's a exile target artifact. Period. That is all. That is all, <laughs> with some truly terrible artwork. Uh, this uh, draft reject card um, didn't even see play really in uh, in gate crash limited. Which was uh, a very fun set to draft, indeed, and very fun, very fond memories of a uh, playing gate crash draft. Um, but uh, did not include Shattering Blow because that card is bad. But here we see it in uh,
1: <laughs> modern a staple
0: GP winning. Buy uh, now. GP Get your foil soon. So, also uh, Jace Fern's Prodigy kicking around on the sideboard here, which I think is interesting. And uh, Grim Lava Mancer. We're not seeing any sweepers in this uh, sideboard, so they're getting these kind of more uh, teched out creatures that uh, you couldn't normally play because you ran the awkward scenario where the match where you wanted to bring in your Glom Lava Mancer was the same where you would want to bring in your you know your Anger of the Gods or your Kozilek's return and that's obviously not so great with uh, your Grim Lava Mancer, but um, looks like they've moved away from those kind of sweepers and now they can play um, some spicy utility creatures.
1: I also enjoyed the uh, one lightning bolt on the sideboard. Yeah, just one, just in case you need a little extra, little extra push there. None of the main deck, none
0: of the main deck. Just, just one sideboard lightning bolt, which I gotta say makes me pretty sad. But uh, it is what it is. It is at its heart a a blue black deck, just really lightly uh, dipping into the red for a little bit of utility. And
1: I mean, at the main deck, the only red cards in the main deck is one faithless looting and. Two Teamer Battle Rage. Yep, that is all. Just a light
0: little dip. <laughs> Let's be a bit more conservative of your mana against uh, these these burn decks and uh, these aggressive decks like Humans, which can be nice. But yeah, so Grixis Shadow winning this event, um, and the top eight has two. Is it decks? The is it Phoenix deck? Um, although one of them they've labeled as Is It Drakes for some god-awful reason? I don't know why they felt the need to differentiate. They are basically, basically the same deck. The same deck. <laughs> I guess the fact that they threw in two Terramanders into one of the lists was enough to make it a Drake's list. Because Terramander is a, it's a Drake, right? They have four Drakes instead of just two. That uh, you know just puts it right over the edge, I guess. <laughs> now a tribal deck. One playset of a certain type of creature. Congratulations, you are now Tribal Drakes. I mean, that's how it works with Blue-Red Spirits, right? (laughs) Uh, But yeah, I think this deck isn't really surprising anyone by continuing to perform. Um, This is kind of, I feel like, the de facto powerful deck that people are thinking of in modern right now when they're prepping for an event. Um, I think the mind kind of immediately goes to Is it Drake's? It is the elephant in the room as far as powerful things that are going on and decks you need to be prepared for. Uh, and the numbers I think reflect that. But what is interesting is we have two green-black mid-range decks uh, in this topic, and these decks have been a little bit harder to find uh,
1: at the top of the standings recently. But yeah, and, and you know why it's called Jund. <laughs> Because it has four Fulminator mages in the sideboard. Yeah, I was just going to get to that. Um, it's not quite Jund. It's
0: Jund in and, and name only, really. <laughs> Is this a red deck? <laughs> Is this a Jund? Um, but uh, these decks are really similar in terms of their creature composition. Um, they're both running to main deck Kalidus. Um, they've got a couple of Tireless trackers. Um, and then Goyf, Skoos, and Confidant. And they're just, you know, within one or two... Um, of, of their creatures. Planeswalkers, um, again, they've got three to four Liliana the Veils and one Liliana Last Hope. Just these decks are pretty homogenized. They just have, you know, those little tiny tweaks on the numbers that uh you know let you tune the deck to your expected meta. It is interesting to see these green black decks placing well again. Um they had not really been showing up at the top of the meta recently i feel
1: like but here they are two in the top eight i mean so if if burn is really good again which people seem to keep saying um then collective brutality is also good yeah definitely and so the screen like deck gets to utilize brutalities and not murder itself with its lands like jund might
0: mm-hmm. yeah the the less painful mana bases is super helpful and um one of these decks has uh, three brutalities in the seventy-five, and the other has the full four. Um, Scavenging ooze and Kalitas also help a lot with that that life loss from opponents trying to uh, to you with Skewer the critics. Um, and they're both running three thoughtsees, so they're not on the full three or the full four. I mean, so they're uh, taking a little bit less damage from their discard. And I've actually I think I've seen some lists that are running even two thoughtsees, um, and trying out weird crap like blackmail. Which is probably not correct, but goes to show people are very conscientious of their life totals with all these uh, lightning bolt decks running around trying to throw burn at their face until they fall over dead. Um, But aside from the top 8 at Toronto, uh, looking in from the outside we've got a Tron deck. No one cares. Fuck you Tron. Uh, (laughs) And immediately below that we have the interesting deck and our uh, local hero. Uh, and uh spicy motherfucker, uh, Daniel Wong, with blue-red taking turns, quad-sleeved.
1: Yeah, so I'm pretty sure Daniel Wong is probably better known to the rest of the world for his blue-black uh, taking turns deck that he uh, top-aided GP Vegas in 2017, I believe. Yeah, I believe so. And he's back at it again, but this time... Left the the black at home and sleeved up some lightning bolts.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's interesting that uh, they're dipping into you know three lightning bolts in the main deck and then just a, a smattering of uh, of sideboard cards. But these taking turns list, I just I can't believe this is a is a deck that places tenth at a GP. And Daniel's obviously very skilled with the deck. He's consistently por- uh, performed well with it the last few years now. Um, but one main deck commandeer and a snapback like just the numbers and and selection of cards on this deck is like a curated like a sommelier's wine list you know there's been a lot of care and thought put into the selection but man it looks freaking weird at first glance like three exhaustion three giga draws one howling mine um (laughs) one snapback uh, a what is listed here is a panoptic mirror, but apparently should be one opt. One just, opt. Just yeah. one opt. Just the one. F- the fifth Serum Visions, I guess. Taking a hard stance
1: on that Serum Visions versus Opt uh. Um what I particularly appreciate is the uh four snow covered island, three normal island split. <laughs> yeah. It's
0: very important. I am surprised that two Snapcasters see play over maybe something like um uh mission briefing uh maybe you just need to block sometimes or maybe it's just a backdoor wind condition when you're taking a bunch of turns
1: well i mean so what does mission briefing allow you to do that snapcaster
0: doesn't in this deck dig deeper for that uh that time
1: warp effect i don't know i think he has plenty of time warp effects for temporal mastery for time warp and uh, part the water veil. Yeah. And exhaustion is a time walk a lot of the time. Yeah, sometimes you just really need that Giga Draws effect or
0: something. But so, like, I don't know. Snap exhaustion seems pretty good a lot of the time. It's you can, uh, yeah, get, replicate works on, on on flashback to Giga Draws, right? When you play this spell, yeah, I believe so. Yeah, so
1: I don't know. It's like it's like a trigger, like Storm, right? You just, yeah, I think so. <laughs> it just it seems gets really it seems gets really strange
0: up. that like you'd prefer the two one body over you know surveil too but as we all know here snapcaster mage is a very good card so i guess it shouldn't be that surprising he's also on the uh, sideboard three thing in the ice plan with a uh, Jelectrode. <laughs> yeah one Which, crackling drake one crackling drake one Gelectrode. Uh get out of here uh, is it staticaster? we don't need you Jelectrode though get in my deck this card hits faces <laughs>
1: I mean, it shoots him twice a turn when you when you uh, time walk. Yeah, man. You know, sometimes your snapcaster mage just isn't gonna get through, so you gotta gotta find a way. Find a way. Life finds a way.
0: And uh, in eleventh, uh, we've got a uh, an old school, almost old school at least style uh, affinity list with two experimental frenzies to hoard in. Experimental frenzy and affinity is is something I've been really interested in, not because I like the deck, but just because I think it it has a lot of potential power is something worth keeping an eye on. I'm surprised we haven't seen more of it. Maybe the meta's just been, you know, kind of hostile to Affinity, what with all the KCI that was running around until recently.
1: Yeah, so I played against Affinity at one of these, you know, uh, EJ Open events, and I talked to the guy who was playing it, and he said that he was thinking that since KCI is now gone, people are going to st- kind of skimp out on their artifact hate, which um, might be a reason why Affinity might be popping up. Mm-hmm so yeah
0: i feel like maybe between like humans and spirits being so popular and and kci being a thing everyone was playing you know like if artifact hate and sweepers and <laughs> their boards which affinity is that's like a that's a hell of a one-two punch against affinity if your your opponents all have like you know board board queers and artifact hate that's pretty hard to recover from so maybe that's why uh it's been gone 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 for so long now so maybe we'll see it come back that was kind of an old standby that uh wouldn't probably hurt to see come back into the format keep people honest uh then we get a 12 place burn player here i think this is our top placing burn list for the weekend richard yam with a pretty standard looking uh red white burn list
1: yeah this is particularly amazing going on here, the online
0: say. meta is just lousy with this deck it's crazy how many people are playing it and uh richard respecting the mirror with three sideboard core firewalkers
1: <laughs> what i think is interesting is these decks are just cutting Skullcrack from their main decks
0: yeah they just got to make room for the new hotness, right
1: like i guess there's not that much um main deck life gain to warrant having that effect so just play skewer which is a more efficient Skullcrack. just yeah. three damage for one man instead of two
0: when things are going according to plan, at least.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it also gives you a little bit of work around, I don't know, stuff like Chalice or
0: whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With well, uh, Searing Blaze, Boros Charm, Helix, and Skewer, you can actually kind of uh, shuffle your way over uh, a Chalice on one fairly well. Especially if you've um, already get a creature or two in play.
1: Yeah, Skewer also hits like creatures, so maybe that Pesky Thalia or whatever, or Meddling Mage or something...
0: I hope you have a spectacle otherwise it's going to cost you four mana
1: <laughs> right but i mean yeah
0: yeah so uh so yeah then we've got uh, ad nauseam in uh 13th place and then ad nauseum has been really kind of uh, poking back up onto people's radars lately it seems like uh i hear whisperings from uh respectable players players that uh i kind of trust for keeping a finger on the pulse of the meta have been uh Talking about how they think Ad Nauseum is making a comeback. Um, I hate playing against this deck. <laughs> really, I really hate playing against this damn deck.
1: It's it's not very fun. <laughs> so if I'm playing, if I'm not playing like a control-ish kind of deck, every time I beat Ad Nauseum, I just feel like, oh, they just like didn't didn't have the thing. Oh, good for me. You know, it's like I I don't know, didn't really play. Really playing against a magic deck yeah your pun just kind of cantrips and dies
0: (laughs) and then if you're on control they just savagely crush you as they have a handful of every possible answer (laughs) you're like how do how do you have so many answers i just uh, i don't understand because their deck only has to do one thing yep and then um in 14th we have humans which is no uh no new kid on the block it's uh Pretty kind of been there, done that at this point. Nothing super interesting about the
1: list. I mean, um, just the couple new things. Like bugler is not particularly new anymore, I guess. Um, the distribution's interesting. They got two sideboard
0: uh or oh, this is this is a uh, main deck only listed for the humans deck. Interesting. No sideboard listed here, right? Or
1: no, the side.
0: Oh, they listed it as spells. They yeah. made a mistake in posting this.
1: So like deputy Detention's is a, a new addition for this deck yeah which is very good it's a detention sphere that's also
0: a creature uh they rolled the the spells section and the sideboard section together so it's four aether vials and then there should be a line break for the sideboard yeah night of autumn deputy detention some newer additions to the deck that are uh, kind of interesting but don't really change how the deck plays in a in a very large way it's kind of some quality of life improvements for the deck i'm honestly surprised this doesn't see much play there's a local player who consistently you know top eights top fours events playing humans and i've chatted with him he's just like i don't understand why no one's playing this anymore it still feels great i'm inclined to agree i'm kind of surprised that people moved off the deck
1: yeah i don't know i i guess like the spirit type just kind of soaked up all the humans players and I'm not exactly sure. I guess maybe the rise of the Phoenix deck made the spirits players run away and yeah. they didn't run back to humans. They just, I don't know. They just
0: vanished. Dissipated into the aether. Yeah. I don't know. Kind of strange. And then in 15th place, we have a second blue red taking turns deck, which is why I wanted to get down here to 15th. What the heck? I, I'm, this deck has more, you know, top thirty-two meta share than a lot of real decks. So
1: <laughs> But see this list is much more um focused, I suppose. So four Snapcaster mages. hmm Two What part the water veils instead of one, three temporal masteries instead of four. No Panopt opt. <laughs>
0: Panopt Khmer, <laughs> yeah. Opted not to play it. Um, yeah, this list looks like it was kind of based off Daniel's or at least exists in the same space at that same three exhaustion, three giga drowse one howling mine. Um, a lot of the numbers are pretty sim- similar. Yeah. Three
1: um, Island, four stone covered Island.
0: Yeah. But then some of the other stuff's been kind of padded out to a full play set, like the snapcaster mages and, uh, and, uh, the whitening bolts. I think, I think Daniel was only playing three, right?
1: No, he also had four. He also had four. Okay. So, um, it's kind of maxing out on bolt snap bolt. <laughs> But no bamboozling going on here. No main deck commandeer or snapback (laughs) or anything like that. Yeah, those
0: are probably uh, pet cards of Daniels. He always seems to play the commandeer, I think. I think that's pretty uh, standard for his lists. Kind of like how Kevin likes to play Kefnet. (laughs) But uh, moving on from specifically the Toronto results, um, looking uh, at MTG Goldfish and the list of modern events on Moto the last uh, couple weeks we have had some modern challenges and also this weekend a uh, a modern premier event, which is an um, even higher paying out, um, larger scale modern event. So we've got a little bit of interesting data. And the thing that really stood out to me was like I said earlier, uh, Pascal Maynard took that list um, from Michael Rep and uh, went undefeated in the Swiss portion of the the modern challenge on the 16th.
1: Yeah, he ended up getting uh, taken down <clears throat> in the semifinals. Yeah, so pretty good run
0: uh, with a seventy-three out of seventy-five card uh, mirror. But this was the uh, the map, the uh, challenge. I'm sorry, the event where we saw another interesting deck, which is the uh, Death Shadow Zoo deck with uh, main deck Wild Nacodles and main deck Swissbeers. Uh, the full four your battle rages and immunogenic growths um, just way more all in on pumping out damage with creatures as quickly and aggressively as possible. And, um, Chris, you noticed something interesting about this deck that I didn't right away with its uh, its sideboard and just mana base in general.
1: Oh, yeah. So the sideboard has two copies of Faith's Shield. <laughs> For those of you who don't know what this... Um, um, card does. It's one white mana. Uh, Target permanent you control gains protection from the color of your choice until end of turn. But it also has Fateful Hour. (laughs) So So if you have five or less life, which you might because you're playing a death shadow deck, instead you and each permanent you control gains protection from the color of your choice until end of turn. So why protect one thing when you can protect all the things? Also interesting is it gives you protection, so if you're at five and they just like lava axe you, you can uh, you can protect yourself. <laughs> Pretty funny, but yeah, it's the only white card in the seventy-five. To go with their uh, their sacred foundry, and their godless shrine. <laughs> yeah. And so I was thinking it was kind of funny, but then I also realized that Waldenacottl um, cares about if you have a planes or not. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess the, the Wise flash was relatively free. Yeah, some might even say
0: required. <laughs> Unless you want to play 1-mana two twos, Which, there might be some better ones out there than Wild N'gaddle if you're looking for 1-mana 2-2. Two two. So, this
1: deck only has 6 lands that produce mana. <laughs> that's all you need. And it's somehow found a way to play a basic. Yeah, that's impressive, <laughs> right? The forest. The most important
0: of basics, apparently. So this guy... Uh la 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 lalu i can't pronounce this la 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 la, la, L- la, la. The Lau? la Lau, wba those are capitals ran the deck back the very next day and proceeded to go eight and one in the modern premiere event um and so that's a pretty convincing uh record um going 15 and one across two events um that kind of raised my eyebrow i mean he also just won the top eight. Oh yeah he did he did win the top yeah, eight. yeah so the challenge, it, it so. was
1: like what um, eighteen and one. Yeah, Seems we don't, pretty good. Was the premiere event? I don't know
0: how the premiere event tracks either. I'm not sure if it's uh if it's a. Oh, they might
1: have a top eight as well.
0: Yeah, know. yeah. I mean, assume I assume an eight and one finish uh, locks you for a top eight if they have an elimination bracket. So um, they potentially um, went even further than that. I'll have to ask. I actually know one of the dredge players that was eight and one in this event. So um, I'll have to ask them and find out later. Uh, if there was a cut in that event, because I assume that if there was, they would have been in it, because they were one of the top five ranked people at the end of nine rounds. So I'll uh, I'll inquire, but uh, yeah, it just kind of stood out. So here's another Death Shadow deck uh, doing quite well. There was also in the challenge um, a another Death Shadow deck at six and one uh, Grixis Death Shadow list, and this list is. I think a little bit different than, or maybe it's not actually. I think it's actually. It might be again that same that same list copied from uh, from Michael Rap. Let let
1: yeah, look. it looks very much the same. The one mining bubble board, shot. shattering blow, one looting three bubbles. Yeah,
0: I think this might be another. I think this might be actually a seventy-five copy. So we've got three copies basically of this uh, of this deck uh, floating around, doing very well in the last few weeks. Um, i assume a lot of people are just kind of taking michael's deck list since he did very well and um and running it back since you know the first step to uh picking up uh a deck like this is very frequently just copying a 75 completely and then tweaking from there deciding what you like and don't like so not surprising that people are just taking the whole list and running it as is a lot of uh tweaking and effort probably went into getting it to that point so why assume you know better than the person that just me to dare, and in fact even won a gp with it so i'm kind of excited i like death shadow a lot and i used to play it and i kind of convinced myself it wasn't worth playing for a while it wasn't doing very well and it was like well you know i i guess i shouldn't play it if it's not such a good deck and, and you know instead i just played garbage so
1: <laughs> clearly <laughs> yeah which was which worked out much better yes yes much
0: a much more effective strategy uh much more amusing at, at the very least but uh Maybe I need to get back on the shadow train. Uh, it's expensive to play the deck online though, um, for me at least, since I'm missing the uh, the Lilianas and um, some of the other cards that go into the deck. I don't think I have Thought Thoughtseizes anymore. Um, but I do have the Surgical Extractions, which are by far the most expensive cards in the deck. So, <laughs> there you go. I own three, which is the exact number needed. So, um, be all it's, it's, it's perfect buy back into the deck I'll get rid of my Jace the mind sculptors that I was sitting around from our abortive attempt to play Bant control <laughs> oh, I God. bet if I uh, spin off some of those cards to the bots so I can uh, I can manage to buy back in to uh, GDS and uh, get some games in online make Kevin sad since uh, he doesn't like shadow players since they womp on his baby so hard. Except for when they don't. Except for when they don't take Blood Moon with Vendillion Click. They did not respect. But you see, this list doesn't have a Vendillion Click, Chris. Ah, so you never have the choice to uh, to make wrong. Like, just can't make the mistake. They'll set the thought sees <laughs> it.
1: So, let, I just want to very, very quickly talk about Toronto again. Um, so, Channel Fireball sent out this tweet at the end of day one uh, (laughs) listing what the undefeated decks of day one were. Alright, so we have what? um, Nine decks here? And so we have in no particular order, we have Tron, Amulet, Bring into Light, Scape Shift, Blue Red Phoenix, Four Color Were, Boros Soldiers, (laughs) Humans, Ad Nauseum and Grix's Shadow. Boros Soldiers. So <laughs> I saw the list, and it's basically it looks like a, a human soldier deck with a bunch of lightning bolts and lightning helixes in it. As you do. And it was undefeated. I don't know. I don't know what to say. I <laughs> modern's great. Play what you want. Yeah. Screw the meta. <laughs> Play your favorite deck. I
0: like how they felt the need to put in parentheses. Yes, you read that right.
1: Yeah. Like.
0: <laughs> like even whoever was tweeting this knew
1: that people were gonna be intrigued. <laughs> so, but but that's not the true reason why I bring up this tweet, and not to not to belittle our Boros Soldier hero. Um, but what I think is. So funny is probably 90 percent of the comments to this tweet are people bitching about how they didn't have any video coverage for Toronto. Yeah,
0: that is very shady in these comments.
1: So there's a lot of like, oh man, I wish I could have seen the Borough Soldier deck in action. Or if only there was somewhere for us to watch and learn more about this awesome format (laughs) well i think the uh
0: that one particular comment really had the most shade kind of being thrown out right
1: the uh oh god yes i so this guy comments and he says can someone please take this list to an scg event so i can see it finally see it on camera (laughs) oh man that's
0: just uh it's brutal it's brutal (laughs) Maybe harsh, one day we will have the technology to see these decks in action.
1: Until then, Miscover so much. Ten out of ten coverage, loving it. Would love to see the deck list for World Soldiers. Great video coverage. Yeah, just a lot of people. A lot of people. <laughs> Went of people. to watsy's
0: page. Didn't even realize there was a GP going on. Who cares? Without any video. <laughs> yeah who does care cool where can i watch the stream yeah and that kind of gets to know what we we're going to talk about what i was kind of already seeking into and that is things that we want to bitch about <laughs> for lack of a more engaging title and i think this is fairly high up in our list
1: of things that we feel the need to bitch about so I'm going to start out with a disclaimer. I was busy the weekend of GP Toronto. I couldn't have watched cover video coverage even if it existed. However, that does not prevent me from being very upset that coverage did not exist.
0: I watch coverage fairly often after the fact on VODs. And if they don't record it in the first place, there aren't any VODs to watch.
1: <laughs> so, yeah. So, it kind of goes back to... Um, the whole watsie giving c f p exclusive g p s for the foreseeable future, like five years or whatever the hell their agreement was, and it it really rubs me the wrong way because the their explanation right was, oh, we want our g p goers to have the most consistent g p experience, and we believe that channel fireball will do a very good job at making gps very consistent so they'll have the same kind of experience no matter if it's on the east coast or the west coast or wherever the hell in the world it is see see chris you've made a, a crucial
0: mistake here and that is assuming that consistent means good
1: <laughs> no, no no but okay so here's the thing it's not even consistent there was no. I don't think there was any other premier magic event going on that weekend. So there was just there just wasn't any magic coverage of anything. It's it's not like they showed a different GP. They just didn't show anything. So you're telling me that you needed CFB to be the only ones to do this so that we'd have the same experience every time? Yeah. Well, I didn't get to see video coverage this time. I didn't have the same experience as those other ones that had video coverage in fact you had no experience at all <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I have no opportunity to have the experience by watching a vod or whatever and it's so that in like you know the 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 pricing of these events which is kind of another can of worms i it just it it puts a bad taste in my mouth yeah. um and if if they're going to ban some because it's unfun <laughs> Wow, it's always about <laughs> Amulet at the end of the day, Chris. Always about Amulet. No, but, but I mean, like, I, I don't, I don't understand how, how it's okay to just, eh, yeah, we're just not gonna have video coverage for this fucking GP, which which happens to be of like arguably the game's most popular format. Eh, who wants to watch that? Eh, we're not gonna bother. Yeah, it's
0: um, it's worrisome. I think is is the best way to put it right it's, it's a little worrisome um, and it's not worrisome on its own but it is worrisome when combined with other trends and decisions we've been seeing made by Wizards of the Coast in the last few months and even the last few years um, there's been a, a move towards giving fans of large magic events less and that's presented itself in a lot of ways. Um, they've given people who are actually going to Grand Prix less for their entry fee. Um, first by you know, not providing playmats as part of the entry cost anymore, and then later by raising the cost of the event. And um with the choice in promos, there's an argument that they were, you know, choosing fairly crap promos for a while how many foil progenituses do you have chris (laughs) i think i still have four Um, you, you just can't get rid of them yeah they're uh binder bait if you want to call it that bookmarks yeah and they have in a lot of ways provided a poor quality video experience and I don't know if I could say it has been a declining video experience but I think it has been generally speaking a poor one especially considering what others like SCG are putting out as well and even the quality that you see from much smaller events um, other places in the world for example I watched um, I was on a trip this summer and I watched coverage of the, I think it was a pre-modern event hosted somewhere in like Northern Europe or something like that. It wasn't even in English uh, until the elimination rounds. And yet I felt like the experience in terms of my ability to see what was going on and just not be bombarded by ads and confusing cutaways and just technical fuck-ups was much better than watching an official cfb broadcast and i think a lot of that is that cfb it gets a little too fancy for its own good and it makes gives them the opportunity to make a lot of mistakes um and just do things kind of poorly and then almost come off in an amateurish manner just because they're they're trying to put on a professional production and failing Whereas someone that puts on a less than professional production and succeeds looks quite good by comparison. But now we don't even have that because there's no video coverage at all. And I think they've also sacked a lot of their photographers. So they're not even taking photos of, at the events. And what are they even providing for text coverage? Do you know? I don't know. I'm not sure if they have cut back updates. on that. <laughs> They had they had write ups for the not on camera um elimination rounds, I believe previously, so if you didn't end up on camera, you had someone sitting there and writing a nice little write up of what happened. great um I know some people really like that. I was never a big um consumer of that, but um, it was cool that they had it and i could mean, I could see why they would potentially want to get rid of something like that, but the video content I think is a huge draw that's um definitely very disappointing and concerning to see cut. And I think this is part of their move towards Arena and their promotion of the, the Magic... Uh, what are they calling it? Mythic Championship branding, I think is what they're... Yeah, because
1: GPs don't exist anymore. It's I can't, a Mythic Championship in your... Um, magic Fest. Magic Fest weekend. I, I can't even keep up with the branding
0: at this point. As someone who's been you know, uh, paying attention to Magic and following Magic for uh 21 years now um it's a little crazy uh how ridiculous the changes in branding and the the just kind of sea change in promotional magic at its highest levels has been the last half year but you know it's fine people have been saying they want to change stuff for a while but i think that gets into the other thing that really concerns me about all this which is the the, the lack of or the extremely poor communication it seems really weird that they didn't have video coverage. You know, if they had a good reason for it, I would have expected them to communicate what the good reason was. But instead, they just didn't. They just
1: didn't. I guess it. <laughs> I didn't try and dig particularly hard as to why there wasn't any coverage, but I don't feel like I should have to.
0: Yeah, it's like what was, you know, Randy, the video guy, out sick. That's fine. I'd accept that. I'd laugh, but I'd accept it. <laughs> but there's just kind of a, a void, a communications void um, from what's coming out from Wadcy lately, and that's really,
1: really concerning. Um, so it's speaking a, of information we're not getting. Yeah. Um, what it's middle of February, we still have not heard any word at all as to. What is replacing the PPTQ circuit?
0: Yeah, this is a big one for me, and I think it's a big one for a lot of the people that listen to this cast and
1: a lot of people that we know. Um, and it's okay. So, so don't get me wrong. I, I think the the PPTQ circuit is was frankly pretty shitty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so to qualify for the Broad tour, you have to win a local a, an event at a local game store. Win, only number one. And if you win, you get to go play in another tournament, which may or may not be particularly close to you, despite it being your regional Pro Turcova. So uh in California, I think there were what two locations of the RPGQ? I think one was like LA and one was in Berkeley. Hmm. That is all. You live in Modesto? Congratulations, which one are you going to? the a coin probably berkeley because it's slightly closer i don't know <laughs> you know is this in your region <laughs> uh, yeah and then once you get to that tournament you have to pay another entry fee to be there despite having already paid your entry fee to play in a tournament to qualify to get to that one
0: and i was under the impression those were supposed to be no entry fee the rptqs
1: so, I guess the argument was like, oh, well, it's unfair to expect the store hosting the RPGQ to just do it for free. Which is fair. But so... you should probably be paying them at that point. You know, fine. I guess. Um, but then, depending on how many people write your RPGQ, you have to top whatever to get the invite. In uh, our case, in my case, only top four made it to the, the Pro Tour. Mm-hmm. Were, which, which I didn't, but we've been able And so, the question is, if you're average Joe, how the hell do you expect Joe to get onto the Pro Tour? Or how does Joe expect to get onto the Pro Tour? And I, as of right now, the only things that I'm seeing that any person, any random person can do to get there is what? Top eight of fucking GP... Or win the Sunday RPT, the PTQ. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Are they not? Are they called PTQs anymore, or is it a WCQ?
0: <laughs> I don't even know.
1: Or no, MCQ Mythic Champion Qualifier. Yeah, I, I don't know. There's a lot of letters flying around. <laughs> yeah, the abbreviations uh, are getting a lot of hand. But so e- even if you're not like someone who's trying to grind their way onto the Pro Tour. You just like playing magic. The PPTQ circuit gave you an opportunity to go play the format of that circuit almost every weekend. At Comp Ariel. Right. So if you didn't give a shit about the RPTQ, you can just scoop whoever's playing into the, like, you know, you can win. You can have the invite. It was like play for the, 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 you know, the store credit or the cash prize or the whatever it is. And you can, like, you know, have fun playing your events all season long. Which was another thing I kind of bitched about. What I kind want to of bitch about is that in the PTQ, uh system, you win one, you can't play it anymore. You're just fucking like banned <laughs> from playing more BTQs. Yeah. So it's like, oh man, I have like a whole summer to play modern, and I win like the fourth one I play. Like that's it. I can't play anymore. Not allowed.
0: Yeah, and it's unfortunate because I think if they don't replace this PPTQ system, they've basically cut the heart out of mid-tier magic grinding for the weekend warrior that enjoys playing the game, right? Because I think there's a large segment of players who like playing comp REL magic for medium to low, you know, size prices, cash prices, store credit prices. You know, they want to go out on the weekend, they want to compete, feel like they have a chance of winning some store credit, hanging out with their friends, and you know, playing in a in a in a high a high stakes environment with no tixie backsies, no FNM bullshit at you know um, I don't even know the name of it. REL, what is it like F REL? Casual REL. Casual REL, aka fuck you. I forgot to do X, so we're gonna wind it back now.
1: I <laughs> casual hate REL that. is like, did your opponent blatantly cheat? No, carry on. Yeah, casual
0: REL is like. If you aren't playing with people, and we're very lucky, I think, at our store, if you're not playing with people who are nice enough to play properly and not take advantage of it, I can't imagine how miserable it must be to play at casual R.E.A.L.E., because it is so abusable.
1: Yeah, so okay, the, the thing is, like, this is kind of a separate conversation, I guess, but um, but I, I, I really don't think FNM should be anything other than casual R.E.A.L.E. And I, I, would I agree. think that you agree with that. Yeah. So because FNM is supposed to be about the masses just go out and have fun playing some magic like maybe they don't have that many friends that play and so it's like their one time they can go out and play with some some fresh people Agreed. and you know just enjoy themselves and they don't want to get rules hounded on like oh shit you know I forgot my bobble trigger because I just built this deck you know I just want to see how it's going how it's going on and definitely they don't want, want to just get bashed in the head for like oh you're not you know on top of your your game so fuck you you get to lose now yeah no I agree you know, I'm going to take your five dollars and you can go you know Suck on it, like, like like it. It feels really bad for the new player. Yeah, definitely. I'm not trying so to I say inter- that it should be like that. I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I understand that. Like, if you're gonna be a dick and like abuse the Tasty Baxy thing, that's really, really like toxic to the game and you know the, the store environment and whatever. Mm-hmm. And yeah, if you're if you're gonna be like that, um, Casual Royale is pretty abusable. But um, I don't know. I I, I think. I think for the most part, at least for for where we're at, F and M is a pretty it's a pretty good environment. Uh, you do have people who are there and they're still learning, and that's fine. But uh, we haven't really had any like people trying to uh, abuse any or take advantage of any of that kind of stuff. I don't think. Well, I think we've been pretty good overall. Yeah, but but I but I yeah I see your I see your point. That kind of mid tier
0: uh, competitive. Uh, arena is is non-existent right now as far as i can tell unless that arena is arena
1: (laughs) yeah so (laughs) which means standard so we were talking about um the like norcal circuit ej open and i think that they they kind of created this just like the bunch of stores got together and decided to do this thing because of the absence of p ptqs
0: yeah i imagine they'd be losing a lot of money if they weren't doing this
1: yeah so it's it's kind of a win-win, right, for the, the players in the stores. I mean, the, the stores don't pay out 100% of the entry fees in. That's a fact.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, And then whatever they pay out in store credit is also basically just, you know, merchandise bought. They sold gift cards. Yeah, which is, like, terrific for them. Um, so they get revenue. They're happy. And all the players who want to play, like, you know... Actual events have events to play, so we're happy too. The only problem is, I guess another another issue is um the whole planeswalker point thing. Since these are not like what what's the official events or whatever, we don't get planeswalker points for them. Is that right?
0: Uh, if they are a sanctioned event, I think you get casual level points. I think is how it works, which is very which is low. FNM level lower. Yeah. I think even
1: <laughs> oh, it's like
0: one X or. I think FNM gives you some bonus points and casuals don't. But yeah, it's... But who yes. even needs Planeswalker points anymore?
1: <laughs> but it's like, let's say, you know, let's go back to the to the guy who's trying to grind his way out of the, the PT or whatever, right? And he's trying to get Planeswalker points so he can get buys at his GP to blah blah blah. How the hell does he get Planeswalker points now? Yeah, He just doesn't have... They just don't have any options. Other than going to to gps
0: yeah i'd really like to see like a a reasonable explanation of what's gonna happen with pptqs or replace pptqs it just seems like a huge question mark missing in the middle of their organized play structure right now um it's concerning (laughs) we're halfway over halfway through february now it's fast approaching normally i would be looking into settling on a deck by now for modern I would be I would have a short list of decks, and I would be considering what I wanted to really buckle down and practice for before we got into our summer modern p p t q season if I was tryharding at least, um which I had been the last few years at least more than not that. <laughs> That's another subject, <laughs> but here I am in mid to late February, still playing whatever the fuck I feel like, swans. Blue Black Control, Bant Pile, whatever. Because I have no clue what the hell is going to happen with the tournament season. Or if there's even going to be one. And I'm sure a lot of shops that relied on having these larger draw events coming through are going to really miss this this revenue. If local tournaments like the EJ Open uh, don't kind of naturally spring up and take their place. And I think it's really good that this is happening. But this isn't something that like Watsy has has fostered at all, from what I understand. This is just a local... It's like a
1: consequence of the absence of...
0: Com- yeah, a community difference. thing. Like, I don't think this was intentional on Watsi's part at all. This is completely accidental. Definitely not planned or conceived of intentionally by them in any way, shape, or form. And so it's like, man, it just really worries me. It feels like they're flying by the seat of their pants would really love to see some communication about what their vision is for the, you know, pipeline for organized play. You know what, if they, I think it's a terrible idea, but if they really want to cut out the paper pathway to competitive magic and they want to make it all arena, you know, you have to play on arena. You got to play standard. You got to feed into their 32 man, you know, tournament series, whatever. I would at least understand that and see where they're, where they're coming from and how they're, you know angling to um place themselves, you know as as a as a company like they're they they'd be throwing their lot in of esports, right? And I would very much dislike that and think it is a terrible idea, but I would at least understand what their logic is behind it. But instead, we're in this kind of twilight zone where they've thrown a lot of resources and effort into getting their esports operation off the ground And we aren't hearing shit about paper. (laughs) And you know what? They need to rip off the band-aid and kill paper or put some proper support in place. And I think that would make a lot more sense for the game, considering how they've made their income historically and the number of people who play and what it seems like their fans want. I think they should have paper events. I think they should keep fostering that that pipeline, that organized uh, competitive play pipeline. But they need to do it, like we're because you know, we don't even really pay attention, but there's a standard PPTQ season too, and that's sort of like going on in the winter right now, right? And Yeah, and, I mean,
1: it's not like moderns is the only PPTQ season out there. And I think they're, I think they've Brazilian been running
0: America. those events. Have they even been running those events
1: like? Standard players at least have arena to look at, but I'm sure like I mean, within the past like month or two there's been like standard RPGQs going on, but those have been fed from the like last year. Yeah, so I think
0: they're they're <clears throat> petering out. They they've either run out of PPTQs or are just now petering out of scheduled, planned PPTQs. they they're running out of time to like put something in place. People there's people like us that are really into the game, but a lot of people I think, especially people that don't own multiple decks. They'll move on, if you know if what they like doing is playing a competitive card-based strategy game at a, you know at the level like a PPTQS level. There's other things they can do. They don't have to play Magic, um, and they will definitely lose some portion of their player base if they just don't put a solution in place. Um, if they don't replace PPTQS and they don't schedule PPTQS, um, F and M's can't hold some of these people right if they don't have a good local shop to play modern f and um and their thing was they traveled for weekend events and they grinded weekend events and that was how they got their their magic their fill of magic if that doesn't exist they're not going to play anymore
1: unless yeah, they, they like not stand- have opportunities to play unless they so. like
0: standard and a lot of people don't um, and so it just seems crazy to me to cut out a portion of their player base like that I don't know so that's got me really worried (laughs) madness madness and you know what i've got i've got online i can play legacy online i can even play modern online i've got other options personally to you know satisfy that competitive urge but man i don't know not having those summer pptqs to look forward to it really kills the community like a local community Um, that's how people meet face to face that don't play at you know the same shops like yeah so you can so name off most of the competitive players in the norcal area right like you know if you don't know their name you know their face because they show up yeah. at the pptqs and you see them at the gps you know once every year or two um but you know them because of the pptqs and gpts which they've killed as well rest in peace gpts god i had so much fun with playing gpts yeah i mean they're uh a competitive ish event with a tangible prize at the end that, you know, pulls people out on weekends to come meet face to face, play magic and, uh, share their love for the game. And these are the type of people that drive conversion of newer players into the game, right? They're the, they're the layer of the community that fosters and, uh, and integrates new players in, right? They're the, uh, the mentors, the, the people at the shop that, that, uh, take newer players into their wing and teach them how to play and, Really suck them into the cardboard crack. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I have fond memories of the GPTs. Yeah, I bet you do. You goddamn troll.
1: <laughs> yeah. So unlike PPTQs, uh, if you won a GPT, you were allowed to compete in uh, further GPTs. You just couldn't win any more buys, <laughs> which was fine. I mean, you could still play it like as as like a random like EJ Open event, right? You just you show up you pay your entry fee and you could win some you know store credit at the end it's fine and so i won the very first uh, one that i played much to my surprise um and so from then out i just played ham sandwiches at these events <laughs> and it was th- it was the greatest thing ever like because typically um i'm too competitive to allow myself to play such heinous files at like comparel events but since I, I'd already got my buys, I, I didn't have that pressure to try and, like, actually win the event. So I just showed up playing whatever the hell I felt like sleeping up that weekend, and I had a blast. It's like you showed up at a river,
0: and you're like, I'm going to skip rocks until I can get a rock to skip five times. And then, like, on your first try, you got, like, a nice, smooth rock, and you get, like, six skips off of it. And you're like, wow, what else can I skip?
1: <laughs> <laughs> this square rock that's, like it's like a cube like a
0: cube like a four inch cube
1: (laughs) i mean based on your analogy john you'd be surprised at how well some things skip (laughs) yeah you throw it hard enough (laughs) god what's the most oh my yeah that 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 was the gpts was that the era where i played s for dragons and went 10-0 in games in the swiss (laughs) oh that was amazing hashtag bring
0: back gpt's yeah just just let people play magic Watsy. just fucking let people play magic i don't know it's just it's not hard it's not hard and you know i know they've got you know they want to rework what all the stuff feeds into just have it feed into something just give some sort of some sort of thing for people to work towards right for most of these people it doesn't take much like they just want a thing they want you show up they want to play magic they want to have a chance to win some store credit or cash and then have some intangible right like some intangible could be a lot of things an invitation to something whatever yeah i mean you could have a fucking uh russian nesting doll of tournaments and that's obviously terrible as chris was getting into earlier with the rptq system but people will still play it you can have your you know your PPPTQ feeds into your PPPTQ, which feeds into your PPTQ, which feeds into your PTQ, which feeds into your TT your TQ, or what, your whatever. <laughs> whatever, it doesn't matter. But like, give people something to like qualify for and show up and play towards, and people will come, they will pay money, they will play magic, they will buy magic cards, they will keep your shops that sell your booster packs in business, and people will have fun. That's
1: the whole point of the game. And they're Missing it, like <laughs> God. Like we would play invitational qualifiers if we had more of them over here. Oh yeah, with, with no intention of ever going to the invitational it, because the Invitational would be in like I don't know Virginia or something. If
0: or SCG shit. couldn't afford, if SCG was still running these events, which they don't really because they can't afford to get up to the West Coast, they would be cleaning house on the West Coast right now. People would be people would go and play them. People did when they had them. They had them occasionally, and when the SCG opens came by, they you know people went to them. And the modern yeah, had, scene two is,
1: mats from the. The IQs, the, like you, you, if you top eight, you know you win a mat, like you win a thing.
0: Yeah, I play mat. Woo! Like, how many of those do you have? And a pin. Yeah. But who cares? Like, it's a thing that I that I won. Yeah. I've, so I want to win the thing. I have still got a top eight pin right here on my desk. Like, it's a thing. People like a thing—a fucking little trophy, like a piece of plastic, a piece of metal, a play mat. It's not hard. If you make it available, people will come. They will spend their forty dollars. They'll play Magic at the shop all day, they'll buy some sodas, they'll buy some singles, they'll go out to lunch next door, and they'll play Magic. Which is what I thought up until now was Watsy's business model, but I'm less convinced lately. (laughs) I'm not sure what their business model is. I'm not sure they know what their business model is. (laughs) And until they come up with some statement, nobody really knows yeah that's that's the kicker right like maybe they've got this all wrapped up internally and they just haven't released it yet or they've got it 90% rolled up whatever they got going on they need to tell us and just put people at ease because we're getting closer and closer like i was saying to the point where people are going to start doing something else they'll play a video game they'll play hearthstone they'll probably not play artifact because that game is terrible but they'll do something else (laughs) I'd say we'd get some angry hate mail for that, but we never get any email, so prove me wrong, listeners. (laughs) (laughs) Very frustrating. And then just today, I think it was they announced that they're not going to be setting MSRP on products anymore. Because
1: that makes sense. That's the same. Well, well, shops don't follow our MSRP uh, suggestions anyway, so we're just not going to have them anymore. Yeah, so it's clearly the shop's fault for... Supply and that's demand. like saying no one <laughs> actually drives a speed limit, so we're just not going to have speed limits anymore
0: <laughs> That means everyone will drive 45 miles an hour right that's how it
1: works It'll it'll regulate itself. Yeah, the Autobahn doesn't seem to have a problem. It's true. It's very true <laughs> <laughs> So I'm sure the the school zone will be just the same <laughs>
0: yeah so uh, the cynic in me as far as the MSRP thing goes is uh, looks at this and says ah watsy has been getting blowback for their fucking expensive limited products let's just not charge or not post an MSRP and when the shop charges more for it the shop gets the
1: heat not us (laughs) but see the thing is like oh we're not going to say an MSRP but you're still going to be selling it to the stores for some price exactly a higher price in fact (laughs) So whatever this price is, is just going to get passed on to the people who tried to play your game.
0: Which is fine, but at least be transparent about it. That's the thing that really bugs me is the lack of transparency. I don't care if they want to sell $60 fucking booster packs. Someone will buy them. Probably not a good business decision, but that's fine. Just tell us why we like money, sense of pride and accomplishment. I don't know. Whatever. (laughs) Like, just the the uh the cagey nature and the lack of uh of good pr it just feels very hasbro-y uh all these changes that have been going on it doesn't feel like wizards of the coast wizards of the coast was not always competent but at least they were genuine and somewhat honest about why they were doing what they were doing but um in the modern hasbro era they just feel very corporate and seat of the pants well, you know, the recent shareholder meeting didn't go so well because my little pony isn't selling as well as it used to, so we gotta wring some more dollars out of those magic players. So let's realign our budget and cut costs and then apparently it costs money to tell the players what's changing, so we just won't jail, we just won't tell them. <laughs> Fire the PR person. They cost too much money. I don't know. Must have also fired their uh magic online maintenance team. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Get our our little plug in here. Uh, Why is Karanos God of Storms still bugged? Hmm. Uh, For those of you not familiar, because why would you be? Because who the hell plays Karanos online? Because I don't think we have anyone that listens to this cast that plays EDH online because we've probably scared them off by now. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, if you play Karanos God of Storms on Magic the Gathering Online, uh, it will not trigger during your draw step, it will instead reveal the card you drew to your opponent and move directly into your main phase. <laughs> and yeah. It, unless you have a stop set, but it, it doesn't give either player priority. It doesn't do anything. It just reveals the card and then carries on its merry way. Uh, I have not tested if it successfully turns into a creature because it is not relevant, <laughs> but um, the workhorse ability of the card does nothing. So that's cool. I got a, uh, a refund for my event I was playing it in that I did not finish. It was a partial refund, in fact, so that was cool. I got a partial refund for an event I didn't finish. Not salty about that.
1: <laughs> no, I, I was under the impression they just were not gonna give
0: you anything at all. Yeah, I mean, that wouldn't be surprising. Apparently you can get a refund if you just play Amulet and play a second Amulet. You can file for refund because uh, it doesn't work properly still.
1: How long has that bug been in place? Still. Yeah. I mean the double amulet issues have been around forever. Yeah. Um so previously, the the great thing about amulet and when I say great, I mean the the what thing <laughs> was um if you have a bounce slant and amulet trainers that go on into the stack. Usually you get to click on stuff to, to determine what order you put them onto the stack. However, if you click on the return to land trigger, it just shits all the rest of the triggers onto the stack above that one. <laughs> I helped you. So while, if you have one amulet, you usually want to pick up the land last, no matter what, anyway. So it kind of, quote-unquote, shortcuts clicking. You just click the land, and then all three triggers, if you had the two lands come into off the Primal Tide, all three triggers just go onto the stack, and you get to do your thing. The problem arose when you had two amulets, because it would stack them. So if I wanted to 20 damage my opponent because I'm a luck sack and I have double amulet, <laughs> <laughs> I have to have my Boros Garrison and my Slayer's Stronghold untap between each other. So I either need my Boros Garrison to untap twice before my Slayer's Stronghold untaps, or have them unt- untap in between one another. The reason for this is if your Slayer Stronghold untaps twice first, it'll untap, and you won't have any mana to activate it with. And then it'll have another untap trigger, which will resolve next, so you'll lose an activation, which is losing four damage at the end of the day because you would want to double-strike your titan to kill your opponent. Feels bad. And there wasn't a good way to know what amulet trigger was referring to what land. Like, you'd mouse over it, and you couldn't tell. (laughs) <laughs> so you couldn't press the bounce trigger immediately because it was just shit the rest onto the stack so you had to like alternate the aim of the triggers but not click the bounce one until partially the way through and then it, it was really dumb it made it so that you couldn't really pick up the land you truly wanted to because if you had to pick up the say you wanted to pick up the star stronghold but if the trigger had to resolve earlier than you wanted to because if you clicked it first it would just shift everything else on the stack you're sad <laughs> because in the event that you had to return like a green source maybe you packed her for that titan you didn't actually have enough to kill your opponent and then you lose your pack which you could have avoided if you didn't have to bounce the wrong land so uh, they kind of fixed it ish So now you can actually stack the triggers individually so it doesn't just shit the rest of the triggers onto the stack immediately for you. But it is still basically impossible to tell what amulet is triggering for what land. (laughs) Because instead of the card being say like .12 font, it becomes .12 and a half font. Ever so slightly bigger so you can quote unquote tell what's going on. But I think as soon as you click one onto the stack, once you mouse over, it doesn't do the thing anymore. <laughs> so you just like, okay, well, when, before you click them onto the stack, you better remember which one's for what. I feel Otherwise, like, you're screwed. But again, you can get around this by alternating the, the triggers first and last, first and last. They just it need, work out, they need to but.
0: take a leaf out of the cockatrice school of moto design and just use big honking red arrows pointing at everything that'll just sort the problem right out <laughs> <laughs> if you've if you've never played cockatrice it is a uh, a magic playing magic emulating environment that does not have rule simulation so you must do everything manually and you yeah. can right click to draw arrows from one thing to another to explain what you're doing and you basically end up with a gigantic mess of arrows
1: pointing all over the place (laughs) and you can draw arrows from anything to anything else (laughs) player to card card to card grave one land to another land
0: even if they're both your own lands (laughs) yeah it's bad it gets confusing really fast the arrows don't go away until you change phases yes or manually delete them i didn't even know you could do that but i guess that makes sense (laughs) (laughs) sometimes you just like juggle forward a phase then back a phase like jk wasn't actually changing phases i just needed to like wipe all these arrows out so we could like start over and <laughs> explain more clearly what's going on ugh yeah, bad, terrible, but probably still better than just not knowing at all <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's uh for now the things that we wanted to bitch about about magic and wizards of the coast and in fact it's basically just all been bitching about wizards of the coast, there's not really a lot to bitch about with magic itself right now I feel like
1: No, I mean, the the game is still very fun. Um, There's a lot of interesting decks you could be playing, like the sweet, sweet, sweet fire. Not sure if it's a garbage fire or not. Um, Teachings deck, right? There's a lot of interesting things you could be doing right now. Um, Burl's Soldier is undefeated. I mean, Vintage just
0: just had Lavinia dumped onto it. They're still sorting out what that means for the format. Uh, Legacy has been great. Terramander is showing up in random places, um, the format's like just still like chugging along real good I feel like since it gets in a great spot even if there are a ton of Chalice decks. Uh, Modern is great since the banning, um, all sorts of different stuff, doesn't feel oppressive. Um, we see, you know, <laughs> these green black decks top eighting at uh, GP when felt like they were completely unviable. Uh, in this modern era of Magic, standard from what I hear, is great um, and I hear people like the draft format too. So I mean Magic is in a really good spot. I feel like Watsy are the only one holding themselves back. They just need to figure their shit out for organized play, get their digital clients cleaned up, do some housekeeping, fix their shit, and they will be golden. Or in this case, the Golden Goose laying eggs for Hasbro. <laughs> so maybe Hasbro should fuck off and let that Golden Goose keep laying golden eggs.
1: <laughs> Let's get into our, uh, our slot of the week. <laughs> um, speaking of gooses, it's not quite a goose, but a, sw- a swan. <laughs> Swans were an uh, I've been thinking about... Um, taking the old swan deck out for a spin again. Uh, seeing Kevin just tear it up has been uh, somewhat encouraging to try playing the deck again, despite what he says. The- he says, don't play this deck. It's probably not well positioned right now. Then he goes and keeps top-bating all these stupid tournaments. So Kevin is maybe a, a, just- a swan vaunt. <laughs> <laughs> maybe he just wants all the chloride to himself. Yeah, no. uh, yeah so uh, the swan deck suite might uh, try playing again. But then I st- also want to keep playing this reclamation deck. I don't know. I just feel like I don't have enough events to play in to play all these, all these decks mm-hmm. that I want to be You play Soul at FNM
0: and then you've got a, a nice shiny copy of Swans parked in the metaphorical garage. You've got keys to the account. You can log in, <laughs> play some Swans at some ungodly hour of the night or morning when Kevin isn't on. That's kind of your major difficulty is finding out when Kevin isn't already playing Swans. And, well apparently
1: that's just all the time uh, yeah it
0: is basically all the time it's truly ridiculous the times he's messaged me and asked i'll be at work and he's like swans like no kevin it's two o'clock i'm at work <laughs>
1: <laughs> not here
0: not now later <laughs> so uh
1: yeah yeah just uh just do that f&m moto split man easy peasy yeah, so since I've been considering entering the Swan Dojo, uh, what have you been looking to start playing, John? Well, I'm still also on Swans,
0: MTG Swan Cast, <laughs> but uh, this is also our slot of the week, or what, what card we're totally hyped to get in our deck, and I'm, I'm very hyped for a few specific pieces of cardboard. I've got some more signed copies of uh, cards for swans coming in the mail from MKM this week. Thought I had to wait till Friday, but they're supposed to be here till it's supposed to be here tomorrow, Tuesday. So that's in the past for you, the listener. But I've got a, a signed Worm Coil Engine, um, a signed A Braid, and a, a signed Harvest pyre coming in the mail. So uh, I'm getting closer and closer to a fully signed 75 for swans. So. Kevin may be the most accomplished Swans player, but I will be the most pimped Swans player. <laughs> so uh, I'm excited about that. So I'm excited to get my Worm Coil engine into my deck in particular, but then I will, uh, I'll need to get some tokens. I don't have any Worm Coil tokens, so I've
1: been using flipped over pieces of cardboard. Speaking of pipped out Swans decks, um, it's really funny because during the BPTU season, Frank Lau said that if Kevin qualified for the Pro Tour playing Swans, he would buy the deck in foil. <laughs> I really wish he'd qualified now. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and they were saying, like, he should buy the deck in foil and then give it to Kevin. <laughs>
0: <laughs> wow, it's uh, it's expensive. It's still a blue-red control deck at its heart, and uh, foil scarting tines don't come cheap, that's for sure. He's got a couple foil Swans now, though, I've noticed. They've been yeah. they've been multiplying.
1: Um, the real tragedy there is um, there are no foil ice age snow covered lands. Yeah, yeah. I have to go to Cold Snap.
0: Yeah, they're pretty ugly. Cold Snap ones are pretty ugly. I wonder what the price is on snow covered foil mountains. <laughs> the signed ones weren't cheap for original printing signed snow covereds. I think they're like twenty a pop. But uh, foil could easily be more expensive than twenty a pop. I feel like
1: oh so when it comes to my snowlands i'm a true heathen my uh my my mountains are all um cold snap and my islands all of them are signed ice age with the exception of two one is a non-foil cold snap and the other is a foil cold snap (laughs) fucking worst
0: (laughs) that's just awful
1: because the problem was, I was trying to support my local game stores, and they just didn't have enough um, Ice Age snow-covered islands. So I was I was left with no other option. You should. I had to buy a foil one because literally they didn't have any others. You should
0: downgrade. I say downgrade, but in my heart, I mean upgrade to non-foil. <laughs> I hate foils, man. Speaking of foils, uh, someone we know got a got a game loss for a borrowed <laughs> a borrowed deck that had a foil and am- a copy of Amulet actually yeah a one one curvy Sunhome home did him in
1: <laughs> yeah so um, he was borrowing the deck so like it, they weren't even his cards and there were like maybe five foils in the deck and I guess the judges were able to consistently cut to some number of these foils and since all of the foils were lands it um, was determined that that is cheat. And he got game lost and had to replace them with uh, with others. So I guess the store had the uh, bounce lands in non-foil for him to use, but he did not have a non-foil sun home. So he, he comes up to me in the middle of my fucking match and like, hey, do you have your amulet deck on you? I was like looking behind me like, what? What are you, Why are you asking me that right now? No, I, I, I need it. My, my card's bent or whatever. I was like, what the fuck? Okay, sure. So I... But the thing is like my sun home was also foil <laughs> and also somewhat curved. It's like I don't see how this is going to help you, but okay. <laughs> and then after the match ended, I rem- I remembered that I actually had a random non-foil sun home in my binder. <laughs> because of course from like did. from like planes chase. I I don't know. I have no idea why I even owned that card. And so I I he used that instead. <laughs> <sighs> See the the foils on home in my deck isn't really a big issue because every other card in my deck is also foil. Uh huh. Humble brag. So I mean, it, you can't you can't cut to any particular card because they're all kind of like that, <laughs> which is kind of annoying because um, keeping them all straight's a pain in the ass. Yeah, I bet. You like sleeve everything and slap a big fat pack of silica gel in a container and just leave them there. And depending on the cards, it takes more or less time to actually uncurl them and all that stuff.
0: Have you tried uh, Hydraulic Press? Hydraulic Press Channel? <laughs> 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 just uh, crush it flat. It just, like,
1: oozes out the side. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, congratulations, your Celestial Sanctuary is now super.
0: Celesnia like, Suptuary. Anyways, we're
1: it's gonna make like get- Soup Chamber? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: anyways, before we get even more out in the weeds with bad puns and talk about Amulet, uh, I want to thank you all for checking us out and sticking around to the very end. If you're wondering where you can find more of our content you can head on over to mtgconflux.com you can support us and join the mtgconflux community at our patreon at patreon.com slash mtgconflux you can also find us on facebook twitter and youtube under the same name if you have any suggestions or comments or complaints that you'd like us to read please feel free to shoot us a message on one of those platforms again we really do appreciate you sticking around and we hope you'll join us in the next one later boros <laughs>